Welcome to episode 961 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index, baseballreference.com, and our Patreon supporters. I'm Sam Miller of ESPN, along with Ben Lindbergh of The Ringer. Hi, Ben. Hello. How are you? All right. End of the year, end of the baseball season. Yeah. What is this, our fifth regular season? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, yeah. Together? Yeah, it four, is. Four and a half regular season? Yeah. Yeah, Forty. Uh, about 42 Mike Trout war. <laughs> we've been recording yeah yeah it's been a long time yeah so yeah five seasons five seasons uh so i, I figured we'd just uh have kind of an all banter end of season wrap up all right if that works for you sure all right so i've got a whole list of uh things that might include one sentence uh-huh. uh me saying one sentence and might include a full-on draft but uh, let's start with a full-on draft then okay what i'm gonna need you to do is i'm gonna need you to go to mike trout's baseball reference page all right I'm there. And one of the great things about Mike Trout, one of the great things about his player page that's really almost unlike any other player page, is that every year he gets new bold ink. <laughs> and so in his rookie year, he led the league in runs and steals and OPS plus, a very particular kind of player. The next year, he led the league in runs and, and walks. He actually added 43 walks to his total. So bold ink in walks. Then the next year, runs, RBIs. Now he's a now he's a butter and egg man, as Vin would say, and also strikeouts and also total bases. The next year, slugging and OPS for the first time, and uh-huh. the year this year runs again, walks again, OPS plus again, and now on base percentage with a 4.41 on base percentage. So he is every year like is a totally different best player in baseball, as we've talked about. But that leaves one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm going to ditch the bad stats. So six, uh, seven, eight, nine. That basically leaves nine places for him to uh, to still get bold ink for the first time. And I wanted to draft in order how likely you think he'll, he'll knock that off his uh, bold ink bingo card uh, and I guess how soon. So you're going to basically draft the bold ink you think Mike Trout will get next. And we're going to just draft these. Uh, let's just take games out of it so that we have eight. So we'll each get four. Those eight are plate appearances, hits, doubles, triples, homers, batting average, hit by pitch, and intentional walk. Huh. All right. Who's going first? You go first. You go first. Okay. Well, he has been close. He's probably been pretty close to plate appearances, right? I mean, he had 716 one year. I think he's been close to almost all of them. Like, my guess is he's finished top five in six of these. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I mean, he's batting third mostly this year, so I guess he had a, a better chance when he was batting second. Of course, he might bet second again someday. And he and might be in a he might be in a in a plausible lineup someday yes, as well. I mean if you put him too. in the yeah, if you put him in the Red Sox lineup or something, then it's different. Pretty incredible that he led the major leagues in runs scored this year, playing for the Angels. I know. I know. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He has finished he has finished second, fifth, and tenth in plate appearances. So uh-huh. in 2013 he finished second. Alright. So, you know, he's he's only missed a few games each year the whole time he's been a full season player. So I'll go with that. That seems like the likeliest. Alright. 
So Ben drafts plate appearances. Jeez, what a fun pick. <laughs> uh, all right. I will um, – I'm going to draft batting average. Batting average, I have this uh, predictions game that I play with my friend every year where we try to predict uh, like everything in baseball, including top 10 for every every stat. And batting average is the thing we do absolutely the worst on. Any, I mean, just go look at the batting average any year. There's like one or two names that were at all predictable – and then it's, you know, DJ LeMayu yeah. and, you know, Justin Morneau and all sorts of weird names. Like, especially when you get down to number like eight and nine, you're, they'll blow you away every time. Trout has managed in his five years, though, to be second, third, ninth, and fifth. He is the, the closest thing to a perennial batting title. Uh, well, he's not the closest thing, but he is one of the, he is at the, you know, near the top of perennial batting title contenders. Uh, so I will go with that. Okay. All right. How close has he been to doubles? His his career high is 39. He had 39 back-to-back years. Doubles, he's finished 7th and 6th. Yeah. So are we counting at-bats as a category? No, 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 no. Okay. No. All right. <laughs> I'm just going to get played appearances and at-bats just to cover my bases. Uh-huh. All right. So I guess I'll take doubles. Doubles? Okay. So 7th and 6th. And uh, yeah, it's not the it's not the stat that he has come closest to getting bold ink in. In fact, it might be the second worst that he's done so far uh, of the eight that we're talking about. However, it seems maybe like plausible that he'll keep his double skill longer than he maybe keeps some of the others. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, on that note, I will. Uh, this is kind of a uh, this this one in a, in two or three years might look like a terrible pick, but for the next two or three years, I think it's plausible. I'm taking triples. Triples, he has finished third, second, third, and tenth in uh-huh. his career. So very close perennially. Now, he's also never had double digits, so he hasn't necessarily shown that that 16 triple year potential that mm-hmm. uh, that we talk about when we talk about young players. But he's been close a lot, so I'll take triples. Your turn. All right. Well, maybe I'll take homers. I'll just bet on the big Mike Trout home run year. I mean, he had 41 last year, which was close, right? What was the league lead? He's he's third. He's been third and third in home yeah. runs. So, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great pick. <laughs> so he uh, yeah gets a little older. Maybe he becomes more of a power-oriented player, which it looked like he was doing for a while. Sure, Mike Trout capable of leading the league in home runs, I'd say. All right, so we're left with hits, intentional walks, and hit by pitch. I will take intentional walks. It's actually sort of surprising that he doesn't do better in this. And if you put a player who was exactly as good as Albert Pujols behind him, but was named Lucas Duda or something, uh-huh. then I think he would have. But partly the righty-righty thing doesn't do him favors. But I think that Albert Pujols still carries a name. So I would bet that suppresses it a little bit. His speed probably hurts him a little bit. If he slowed down, was the same hitter but slower, I bet he'd get intentionally walked more. But uh, for now, uh, he's finished 7th, 3rd, and 3rd in his career. Uh, So uh, I'll take that. So you took batting average, but you're not taking hits. Well, he walks 110 times a year now. Yeah. And he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't do as well in hits because of of that. His, Mm -hmm. His hits, he's finished... Ninth in 2012 and fourth in 2013. But, you know, it's just, it's too many walks, man. It's too mm-hmm. many walks. I think he yeah. could, I still think he could do it. You know, you add 35 plate appearances on there for a better lineup, and maybe you add another 15 at bats if his walks drop down because he has protection. 
protection, which I'm treating as real in this instance. <laughs> uh, and his batting average goes up from, you know, 315 to, you know, 332 one year. And yeah, he, he's there. Uh-huh. It's not a bad pick. All right. It's a better so, pick than what I'm going to get stuck with. So what's left besides hits? Hit by pitch. Okay. <laughs> so I'll take hits. All right. And I will take, uh, I'll take, I'll take, well, I'll take hit by pitch. By the way, uh, hit by pitch. He has uh-huh. in his career finished sixth, seventh, and fifth. So even that <laughs> so, one's not yeah. bad. So he has yeah. finished in every stat he doesn't have bold ink. He's finished at least top seven. And in five of them, I think he's finished top three. So he's good. Yeah. All right. That draft is done. Okay. Next uh, next game that I want to talk about, Ben, is uh, the Mike Trout 2016 fun fact rating game. Uh, And uh, this is the uh, Angels Media Information Shop put out a release on Mike Trout's season in review. There's some good stats in here. And I just wanted to uh, very quickly get you to rank, uh, rate them on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, you know, perfect, and then dock points for either uh, not a good stat, like it's not actually that impressive, or convoluted stat. Okay. Convoluted fun fact. So, all right, so I'll go through these quickly. So the, the first subheader is fish facts. Okay. Yeah. Led the giving major. That a, giving that a one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Led the majors in runs, walks, and OBP, and also ranked in the top ten in several of the AL's offensive categories, including average sixth, triples tied for tenth, steals tied for second, and slugging fifth. Well, that's your basic meat and potatoes. You're making an MVP case for your player. You want to show that he ranks very highly in all these different stats. So certainly doesn't make me say wow or anything, but right. it's, a, it's a nice baseline to have in there. I agree. So, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's like you flip over the back of a guy's baseball card and it says he's 6'3", 205. You don't go, that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> you go, okay, yeah, no, that's right. He is 6'3", 205. That, I agree. That's uh, solid. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's not trying to lift much. We'll call it a seven. Yeah. All right. Was the only player in the majors to bat 315 with 100 RBIs, 100 runs, and 100 walks and is the first American leaguer to do so since Miguel Cabrera in 2011. The last player to boast those numbers in a single season before their age 25 campaign was Alex Rodriguez. So just to rephrase, first player since 2000 to have 315-100-100 before age 25. I'll give it a four. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah, I don't know. 315 is a little too arbitrary for me. Yeah, two on the nose. And uh, he also, I think he had... For what it's worth, I think he had he had exactly 100 RBIs. Yeah, you, you just know. I mean, they were so mad he didn't get the 30th home run. So <laughs> yeah, he ended up with 29 homers. Yeah. Uh, could have gone all the way back to like 1998 with that fun fact. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that home run. All right, becomes the first player to lead the AL in walks and runs since well, since since Trout did, but prior to Trout. So we'll say prior to becomes the first player to lead the AL in walks and runs. I don't know. I think the fact that he did it himself is relevant. So I'll say, becomes first player to lead the AL in walks and runs since Trout did so in 2013. Prior to Trout, the last player to lead the AL in both categories was Frank Thomas, and is the first player since Ted Williams, parentheses, five times, to lead either league in those categories multiple times. Mm. So first multiple walk and runs leader <laughs> uh, since Ted Williams. Uh, I'll give it a six, I guess. Oh, I... I don't walks. You don't like it. Walks and runs. Like 
walks I mean, and, walks and runs don't provide a contrast to each other. They have no. Th- they're overlapping. Sure. If you walk a lot, you get on base a lot. You probably score a lot. But the, the thing still, about look, since the, Ted Williams, that's impressive. The gold standard of two stat fun facts is the thirty thirty club, right? Because they're in contrast. They are two different players forming into one super player. Yeah. Walks walks and runs. Eh, it's a little bit like led the league in total bases and slugging. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so I'm so giving that with? 3. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, one of two players in the AL to post a slash line of 300, 400, 500 this season. Well, I like the 300, 400, 500. I love it. So I love yeah. the 300, 400, <laughs> 500. I love it. You should you should the World Series should be which which team is closest to 300, 400, 500. <laughs> Yeah, all right. So, I mean, it's impressive that he did it. The fact itself is not super exciting, but I guess it's it's good. It's worth pointing out. So, I'll give it a 7. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it an I'll give it an, an 8. Okay. All right. First AL player to log 115 walks and 115 runs in a season since David Ortiz in 2006. First AL outfielder to do so since Tony Phillips. That's kind of <laughs> That's kind of got like four things working against it. It's AL instead of majors, which is always yeah. suspicious. It's the walks and runs, which are correlative, which is, you know, not great. It's 115, which is not a round number. It's yeah. not, and he's the first AL outfielder. So now we've got position, and the guy who did it last is Tony Phillips, who is not a Hall of Famer or anything <laughs> right. like that. Yeah, that's a two. That's a two. Most. I, I agree. I <laughs> First, uh, we're now into elite company. Just the second player ever to hit 315, walk 115 times, score 120 runs, and steal 30 bases, joining Ty Cobb. Mm, okay. I, I like the uh, only Ty Cobb in you. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. And it's a bunch of different categories. I'm always a little suspicious of the stats when you start stringing together categories and you can start making the club more and more exclusive because you're just adding on stats. But in this case, each of those stats is sort of telling us something different, right? Yeah. So I'll I'll allow that. I'll I'll give that uh I'll give it a six. Yeah, I I will I'll give it a five. You I'll tell you this, you really don't want to go look at Ty Cobb's nineteen fifteen season and see how it compares because the Trout stole thirty bases, Cobb stole ninety four. Trout <laughs> hit Trout hit three fifteen, Cobb hit three sixty nine and, and so on. But of course totally different era. And uh, it's there's no problem. I'm not saying Cobb had a better year. He probably didn't. Just points a little bit to the fundamental like eh, ishness of these types of stats. But I I'll give it I give it five. Mm-hmm. All right, just the fourth player in MLB history to lead either league in runs four times in a five year span. And it was the what player? Uh, f- he's the fourth. And uh, fourth. I do ha- I do have the list of players: Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, and George Burns. <laughs> um. I mean, it's it's impressive because he did it with the Angels, as we were just saying. It's amazing that he led the majors in, in runs with the Angels this year. But it's, I mean, it's no more impressive than going, Mike Trout led the league in runs no. this year. No, it's not. Yeah, so this is a, a three for me. I don't care. Okay, I think three sounds right to me. First player since Albert Pujols to log 100 RBIs, 110 walks, and score 120 runs in a season. Just the 14th player in American League history to post those numbers. First to do so since the Angels' Troy Gloss in 2000. <laughs> nah, this is like a two. I don't care. They're really... The walks are doing a lot of lifting on this page. <laughs> yeah, 110 walks. No, it's not a milestone. I give it three. 
Uh, mm-hmm. All right, now we're under know this. There have been two instances in major league, in American League history that a player has amassed 300 total bases, 100 walks, and stolen 25 bags. Mike Trout and Mike Trout in 2013. Uh, I, I, I actually like this one because walks are not part of total bases. Yeah. You know, you can do just as much with a slash line, I guess. But 300 total bases and 100 walks does feel like that seems good. Those seem like perfectly good round number milestones to go. Wow, he's a 300-100 guy? Like that. <laughs> yeah, if you had asked me before this conversation what a good total bases number was, I don't think I could have told you just off the cuff. I would have had to do some math probably to figure that out. So it's not really a number that I think of having a club. It is impressive, though. So eh, I'll give it a six, I guess. I'm going to give it higher. I uh, I love a fun fact that goes only one player, you know, only two players have ever done this, Mike Trout and Mike Trout. Like I like I just yeah. like the I like the colon Mike Trout and Mike Trout. I like that. So I'm giving it a I'm giving that an 8 and considered a 9. All right. Okay. Tra- oh, Trout scored 17% of Angels runs this season, the highest percentage for any AL player since Ricky Henderson in 1985. That's kind of cool. Dude, that's like, a that's a I 10. Like that one. That's a yeah, 10. That's really good. I agree. Yeah. It's a 10. That's the one I'd lead with if I uh, were writing the <laughs> game story and I read it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Fifth straight season with 25 doubles, 5 triples, and 25 homers. Longest such streak since Willie Mays. Longest AL streak since Joe DiMaggio. Not bad. I'll give it a 7. Five triples to me is a is a squish. So uh-huh. I'm saying like, a, I honestly, I'm going four on that just because of the triples. If he had 10 triples, like if it were, if somehow he were 10, 30, 30, then, and it was the same thing, even if it was the same rarity, even if it was the same Willie Mays and Joe DiMaggio, 30, 10, 30, I would give like a, like an eight, but uh-huh. I don't really like the 25, five, 25. Okay. Okay. And now we're under sabermetrics, entered the contest with major league leading 10.4 wins above replacement led the al in that category for the fifth consecutive year first player to lead his league in war for five straight seasons since babe ruth yeah i mean i i think i knew that but it's if i didn't know that or and if i still cared what war was then i'd be pretty impressed so i'd say that's uh maybe a nine even i'd say a nine too that would make it into my story Uh uh-huh his 48.4 war is the best ever by a player before age 25, just ahead of Ty Cobb and Mickey Mantle. Yeah, I mean, again, very well known in our circles, but sure, probably still a nine. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, yeah, sure. It's, an, it's the most impressive stat that you can tell me about a player. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> so, sure. How do I knock that? That's a good one. Second career 10 war season, only Ted Williams had more. 10 war campaigns in first five full seasons. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't differentiate enough from the previous stat for me to care. So agree. it's like a three or something. Maybe uh, in isolation, if, if the other stat weren't there, yeah. I, I might, I'd bump it up. But following that stat, it's like a three. I, I'd go probably four. Uh, and led the league in runs, cre- on baseball reference, led the league in runs created for the fourth consecutive season. Finished the year leading Jose Altuve by 12 runs created. The largest differential between first and second in AL since 2006. Well, it's uh, not like you ever hear runs created cited anymore, but I guess that's semi-interesting. So I guess I'll give it a five. Yeah, I think you got to chew for a long time before you get anywhere on that one. I'm going like a three. Okay. It's not a bad stat, but it... I think I'd swallow it if I were sitting on it. It's too hard to convey. Uh-huh. Two mastication metaphors back to back for no real reason by me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Uh, okie doke. That's it. All right. <laughs> okay. I think you probably tweeted better Mike Trout fun facts last night than were in that packet. Oh, come on. It's minor, minor for a, a niche audience that, uh, that likes the challenge. So it's not, <laughs> yeah. it's, we're playing different games. I, uh-huh. Okay. All right. So some good ones on there. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else do I have on my list? What's your take on DJ LeMayu? Well, on, on his sitting out for sitting out. basically sitting out four days to, yeah, to, to win the batting title. Yeah. Well, in fairness to him, I suppose Daniel Murphy wasn't playing either which maybe makes it a little bit better. I mean, Murphy wasn't intentionally not playing. He's hurt and resting, so that's different. But at least he wasn't competing with someone who was in there every day until the last day of the season. So that's something. But the Rockies aren't playing for anything. It's pretty cool if you're DJ LeMayhew to win a batting title. It's your first black ink of any kind on your baseball reference page. And you lead the whole major leagues in batting average. Of course, it's Coors Field, so, you know, you discount batting average there more so than anywhere else. But still, pretty cool to do. So I don't really mind. I can put myself in DJ LeMahieu's place and say, you know, and and it's not like the batting title is like a national story anymore, as we talked about with Rob Maines recently. It's not something that everyone is, like, hanging on, and so you're kind of ruining everyone's fun by sitting out in the last few days of the season. No one really cares. Didn't really impact anyone's enjoyment of baseball's last weekend that DJ LeMahieu wasn't in there. So it's pretty much a shrug for me. I mean, it's I, it's pretty much a shrug for me, but that does that almost make it... Well, I think it's really embarrassing. <laughs> like, I, I don't... I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna hold it against them, but if I were... Like, if I were his, his, uh, his image consultant or whatever, if I were doing his debate prep, I'd, I'd tell him this is like, just objectively speaking, this is like super embarrassing for you. Like you should, <laughs> you should not like, th- it's not even like a couple days ago, I, I mentioned that, um, not here, but somewhere else that since Coors Field or since Colorado baseball started, there have been 18 batting title winners, like 18 different players have won a batting title in the NL and eight of them were Rockies. So <laughs> like those include like, the aging husk of Justin Morneau, the, the, uh, you know, final, you know, the final spasms of Michael Kadire. So it's just, I mean, it's already like, even if this were the most prestigious award still, even if everything was equal and like, you know, DJ LeMay, who was really, you know, could hold his head up at the end of this and say that it was a fair fight to begin with. I would still, I still think that it, this is not a good look. Like this hasn't been a good look for all of baseball history. I think you're right about Murphy that, the fact that he's out makes it a little bit more justified, but not really. I mean, it's, you know, you got to, you play the season. But the fact that Colorado. Yeah. I mean, LeMahieu played four more games than Murphy and had like 50 more plate appearances than Murphy. Yeah, no, so. but you play as many as you can play. Like, I don't quite know how to argue with those numbers because, sure, he played more, but it's not a, like, you just do what you're asked to do. Like, you play your contract out, I think. And if uh-huh. a bee stings you and you have to miss a game, like then it's not like the other guy should then go, oh, well, I'm going to go get stung by a bee, in my opinion. Like it's uh-huh. that's that's not where the equality comes in. Like you just just try, just go for it. Just try. I mean, I don't like again, like I don't think he prioritized what he prioritized and I don't uh, begrudge him that. But I do think it looks silly. But also Colorado is just I mean, it's a stupid award if you're winning Colorado batting titles like they shouldn't even they should barely count. Uh-huh. They do barely count. 
they actually barely count. They barely count for anything. Like he doesn't get a better, yeah. doesn't get a better interest rate on his home now. He doesn't get probably anything. He just, he gets a, he gets a plaque and he, he gets yeah. bold ink, same as whoever led the league in, in triples gets bold ink. And then, you know, some, sometime 16 years from now, someone's flipping through his page and they will use this batting title as a data point in how crazy Colorado was, not of how crazy good DJ LeMahieu is. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe that, that might be why I don't care about this really is because, I mean, even if DJ LeMahieu had played all of the final games and had beaten Daniel Murphy by one point, I would be thinking, well, if Daniel Murphy played in Colorado, he would have beaten DJ LeMahieu anyway. He would have had a higher average, at least by a few points, probably. So I'm already thinking of it as an asterisked accomplishment. And so this is just adding an additional asterisk, so it doesn't really bother me anyway. I, I guess that's what I would say. And I'd also say that the fact that he had a, a good season, like he had a good length season. He didn't just sneak in with the minimum number of qualifying at bats or anything. He cleared that by a lot. He cleared Murphy by a lot. And he also had like a really excellent season. This wasn't one of those empty batting average years. Even if you do park adjust it and all that, he had a great year. So I'm okay with it. It's silly, but it's silly. Know, batting titles are it silly. It is silly. It's all silly. And um, right. I also think the fact that the final series was at home and the Rockies haven't given their fans much to to pay attention to this year. And certainly there was not much to pay attention to in the final weekend of the series of the season. But to have everybody cheering DJ LeMay, who at bats would have actually added spark every, uh, you know, 80 minutes or so or 55 minutes or so of the game. Uh, and uh, couldn't you argue that having him win the batting title and have that be assured is like important to the franchise in a way that it, it wouldn't be for a better team, for instance, like. When Jose Altuve won the batting title in 2014, when the Astros were still pretty bad, they made a big deal of Altuve winning the batting title. And, you know, it kind of makes him more marketable. And it's, hey, we, we had a batting title winner or something. It's it's not that much to brag about, but it's at least some individual notable accomplishment you can point to and say, this was on the Astros this year. This was on the Rockies this year. You can put DJ LeMahieu on your media guide next year, I guess. <laughs> if, if, yeah, so. no, if you argued that to me and convinced me, then yes, you could, but you would not convince me. I don't believe the Rockies <laughs> franchise value is up a, a nickel for this. Uh, and I, uh -huh. but I do think, and, and I think that whatever benefit that you're trying to convince me there might be would be, you know, abstract and unconvincing. But this is like to me very, it's very concrete. You had, some thousands of people that paid money to watch baseball, boring baseball this week. They, you know, they knew what they were getting, I guess, but uh, you could have given them a better entertainment experience. You're an entertainment company and you could have provided them four exciting moments a game, as well as everybody who's watching something to watch for. And so I, that to me, that's very concrete and not hard to imagine is real. So, I mean, you're right. If, if, if that were true, then this, that would be part of the math. I just don't think it's, it's true. I don't think that the Rockies were cashing Justin Morneau checks, uh, for the last <laughs> two years either. Uh, but maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm wrong. And DJ, the other thing is like, DJ Mayhew was really super awesome this year. Uh, uh, yeah. and so I, like, I don't think that the, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, it's it's sort of weird because he will not get enough credit for how super awesome he was overall 
And now he will, but uh-huh. he will get that credit in the form of basically fool's gold, like a, basically a, a, a kind of a silly award that doesn't reflect that much. And maybe mm. that, maybe that's a push. Maybe it ends up being just that DJ Mayhew got exactly what he deserved for this season, even if it was in a somewhat dishonest roundabout way. I don't, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What else do I have on here? Who's your AL Cy Young ballot, Ben? Oh, I know. <laughs> We're doing this. I want just this one, just the one, because it's in it. Like you, I, I honestly don't know if there's ever been a moment in baseball history where there was less objective truth about a thing. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't given this any thought, surprisingly, even though this has been you know something people have been talking about for a month or more. I haven't had to write a column about it. I haven't had to cast a vote. And until someone makes me think about it, I don't think about it. So here I am, and someone is making me think of it. Rosenthal, so. Rosenthal's pick was Britain, and I think Britain is going to win. Do you? I do, and I just think that it's a combination. Well, it's mostly that there's not a great starter, and mm-hmm. there's not really a clear pick from the starters. It's very messy. Even the starters who, by one metric or the other, stand out. Like Chris Sale, for instance, leads the league in baseball prospectuses, version of warp because he has uh, you know a great dra and he pitched a lot of innings but also it was sort of a lesser chris sale season in some ways and like a lot of the a lot of the top dra pitchers had bad eras like chris archer is a top dra pitcher and seen as a failure this year bad era david price near the top of dra bad era who else is there? Um, there's another couple on here. Pineda actually does pretty well. Bad season, you know, bad ERA. And so, uh, so it's, that even complicates it more. But mm-hmm. bottom line is there's not a, there's not a clear starter. And I think that Britain will be. So, uh, but my question is, is this for you? Let's say that you were a voter and you came to the same conclusion that this was a year to pick a reliever, not a starter. Is Britain your pick or is Andrew Miller your pick? Hmm. Cause I would, I think that I would, I think that Miller would be on my ballot, might be my Cy Young, might be ahead of Britain. Huh. Well, I mean, I do think that Miller is a better pitcher. I think he's more dominant. I don't know if he had a better season. I don't know if I could make that case. I think I'd probably give it to Britain over Miller. I mean, Miller has... A few more innings, and if you were to replay that season a thousand times, I'm sure Miller would have ended up being better, you know, preventing more runs, whatever you want to say, probably. But I think I'd probably give it to Britain. I think, I don't know whether what team you're on plays any role in this. I mean, Britain really did have a very, very important role all season long, which is not something he was responsible for creating that situation, really, but he was in it. And I think that would maybe at least be a tiebreaker for me if we're talking about another reliever. So I'd, I'd probably go Britain over Miller. So you, um, by saying Britain over Miller, you're either saying that you're an ERA over FIP guy. And I think that you've said in the past that you're kind of a blend guy. Uh, or you're saying that FIP doesn't capture what Britain does because he's such an extreme batted ball profile, so many ground balls, etc., that uh, so many weak hit ground balls that he's just he's just different and you can't you can't measure him based on FIP. So as it is, Britain had the better ERA. Miller. Yeah. I mean, their FIPs were also really close. Their, their, their FIPs were <laughs> their FIPs were were close, right? And so that's what my question is. They, they weren't they were close, but they were also different. Miller's FIP was one six eight. Britain's FIP was one nine four. My 
I don't know what XFIP would say. I don't know if it matters. But uh, how big a difference would the FIPS have to be for you to say that uh, it's not a matter of Britain beating his FIP because he's Britain, but a matter of Britain beating his FIP because he had a fluky good luck year? Yeah, like I think if if Britain had like a at least a two and a half, I think it would take for me to say that it was just largely luck. Like it's it's so close. It's like you know, within three-tenths of a run in FIP. And when it's that close, it's, you know, it's basically a push, and and Britain did allow a lot fewer runs for various reasons. So I think I would give it to him. All right. It's it's close enough. So so we disagree on this. Uh, If we were voting for a reliever for the Cy Young, you'd pick Britain, I'd pick Miller. Uh, if yeah. you're if you're voting for a starter for the Cy Young, who who would be? Your pick? I won't make you go five, but who would be your 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 pick? Man, I it's so close. <laughs> it's like Verlander and Sale and Kluber and Porcello. I mean, they're just all basically identical. I mean, you could at least according to some stats. I think I'd probably pick Kluber. Yeah, I'd pick Verlander. Would is there ever a year uh, where could you imagine making a decision based on wins in the right year? Like in a year like this where it's close, where you can make a case for a bunch of people, where Porcello seems clearly to be a little bit behind those guys in war, but nobody's like knocking you over the head and making you vote for them. It's not like Porcello was bad. If he had gone 25-1, and one, do you think you'd vote for him based on the wins? Or are you are, like, are you just, is that a total non-issue does not register might as well not exist and no matter what it's not going to come up yeah i think it's total non-issue when i was just looking at those players furiously trying to compare stats yeah i didn't even glance at the wins and loss columns so yeah yeah it's nothing all right robin ventura i i don't know if this is still current when i jotted this down on my list of things to talk about Uh, He was going to resign. Uh, And what was interesting is that, according to the article, Ventura intends to resign, but the White Sox will try to change his mind. So before the the season started, I wrote up the um, Internet Baseball Awards voting, which is, um, you know, what BP readers and and everybody else can vote uh, on the awards at the end of the year. And, and so manager of the year voting is, is always silly, no matter who's voting, because it's hard to vote on a manager of the year and it ends up being, you know, as, as, as it always is, the, the team that, you know, that, that won more games than we had projected because we were bad at projecting. But I decided to look at the three year, the combined three year voting to see if that correlated pretty well with what I think good manager, you know, the actual rankings of managers. And it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty close. Like it was it was pretty solid. You know, Hurden, Madden, Showalter, Francona, all top five. And, you know, at the bottom, Freddie Gonzalez, Ron Renicki, Robin Ventura, and Walt Weiss. Ventura was uh, second to last in voting over three years. And I said it puts Ventura's continued employment in perspective, though. And, of course, uh, he had another another bad year. Well, he didn't. The White Sox had another bad year. Uh, under his charge. So the fact that the White Sox are trying to convince him to stay or were trying to change his mind, do you read that as a nice thing to say about the guy on his way out the door? Or do you read it as, wow, the White Sox are really crazy about (laughs) this bad manager? Or do you read it as, wow, 
no matter what his win-loss record is, it really sure does say something about Ventura's skill as a manager that even after all this, his bosses who know him best are trying to convince him to come back. So there's three ways you can read it. I think I'd probably read it like the second way, just because of where the White Sox have been for the last several years and how it seems like they never really know what they're doing or or have a very coherent plan and they just kind of keep aimlessly drifting and picking up a slugger here and there and hoping things work out and they generally don't. So because of that and my pre-existing knowledge or or understanding of the White Sox, I, I sort of think of it as just part of that general aimlessness or, you know, accepting the, the status quo, even though it's not been very successful. But it could be either of those other things, too. Yeah, I think there's a little one and there's a little three and a lot of two. Yeah. it's. I would <laughs> guess that it's okay. I, I, I try to be generous and I should probably say that it's a lot of one of those and a little of the other two. But to me, a lot of three and a little one and two seems least likely. A lot of one and a little two and three seems more likely, but this was anonymously sourced. And so it, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily expect that to be anonymously sourced, although maybe it's more convincing if it's anonymously sourced. So I, yeah, I agree. Two with a little one and a little three. All right. Did you watch Vin Scully's last inning? Yeah. I was listening to it on the radio. They had a simulcast, and it seemed there were like three or four innings where the uh, radio audio came on before Vin seemed to know that they were on. And mm. so I think they might have had an issue with the simulcast. It all, I also can't say that maybe they had an issue on both. But at the end, Vin Scully says his final thing. I think I think the thing that he said that the, the final thing he said live, where he goes, uh, "I've said enough." For many, right. many lifetimes. Lifetime. Yeah, yeah, for a lifetime, yeah. I thought that was great. But mm-hmm. so then he goes, uh, so, you know, whatever, good night and good luck. And then, you know, somebody flips a switch. And then on the radio, at least, you hear Vin go, all right. And I thought that that <laughs> all right was just like, I want to listen to that all right on a GIF. And I don't know, I'm not even sure what I think the all, like, I don't know if it was like an exhausted all right, a resigned all right, a, a thank goodness it's over all right, or just... Great. Just remember that I should uh, I can look that up and play it right now, right? It should be archived. Yeah, it should be ar- okay. archived. Yeah, exactly. So I just want to uh, throw a plug out there for Vin Scully's final "All right" or however <laughs> the tone should be. That was awfully nice. The umpire just stood up and said goodbye, as I am saying goodbye. Seven runs, sixteen hits for the winning Giants. One for one for the Dodgers. The winner, Matt Moore. The loser, Kenta Maeda. I have said enough for a lifetime, and for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant good afternoon. All right. And uh, last thing, I get real quick, Jim Johnson, multi-year deal. Baseball is oh, yeah. so crazy. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that headline and I, I thought, wait, that Jim Johnson? Yeah. <laughs> Multiple years? With, I didn't even like realize he was doing anything. So yeah, baseball's weird. Baseball's weird. Final thing, I have about two minutes. I was thinking about, about this and you can, I'm curious if you agree. If I were the Giants going into a wild card game and you could give me any pitcher in baseball to choose from, I would choose Clayton Kershaw last, and then the second to last guy I would choose is Noah Syndergaard. And if I were the Mets, I believe right now, at this moment, if I could choose the same thing, I would choose Kershaw last and Bumgarner second to last. I believe that these are the second and third best pitchers for this game right now. 
And mm. uh, I think it's just a little bit of a little bit of a miracle that baseball is giving us this. Do you disagree with my assessments? No, I don't disagree. I mean, it's uh, I don't know if I'd call it miraculous in that you you end up this time of year with the best teams playing each other, and the best teams often have the best starting pitchers, or some of them do. So, so it's it's nice. But uh, yeah, no, I I don't disagree that those would be the the players I would most dread seeing. So it'll be fun. All right, that's all. Good season. All right. <laughs> we can end with a scully all right. All right. <laughs> so you can support the podcast on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash effectivelywild. Five listeners who have done so already, Cameron McSorley, Daniel Wilson, Chad Jobin, Paul Griesmeyer, and Dustin Schickler. Thank you. You can buy our book, The Only Rules It Has to Work, our wild experiment building a new kind of baseball team. Go to the website at theonlyruleisithastowork.com for more information. Please consider leaving us a review on Amazon Goodreads if you like it. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectivelywild. We are fewer than 10 new members away from the 4,500 member mark. You can also rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription to the Play Index at Baseball Reference using the coupon code BP. You can contact me and Sam at podcast at baseballperspectus.com or by messaging us through Patreon. We will be back talking playoffs and answering your emails later this week. But you'll see lonely sunsets after all.